This is the Illuminate Podcast, a Sandy Boy production. Each week on the Illuminate Podcast, the hosts will bring you insightful conversations and stories of people who are illuminating their own lives through their business, work, community, family, and world. Hello and welcome to the Illuminate Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Emma Benner, and today you are listening to episode 109 with Katherine Furman. Katherine is a writer and editor, and she co-founded Tandem Books, a publishing studio where she was the editorial director. She has recently moved away from that space, though, to focus more on her own writing and is currently writing a novel. She has already published several journals, including the Gratitude Journal for Women and Progress Not Perfection. And in this episode, we talk about her journey as an entrepreneur, how she switched career trajectories to become an editor, pursuing her dreams and focusing more on her own writing, tips for starting a gratitude practice, and so much more. And before we get started, I wanted to remind everyone to leave us a rating and review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you listen in. This is such a helpful way for us to continue to grow the show and get this podcast in more listeners' ears so we can share these stories with a wider audience. Another way you can help us is if you share about it on social media. That is another big way for new listeners to find us, to grow the show, and make sure to tag us at the Illuminate Podcast on Instagram and at Illuminate underscore pod on Twitter and we'll repost it. All right, let's get into it. Here's my conversation with Katherine Furman. Well, today on the Illuminate podcast, I am so excited to be joined by Katherine Furman. Welcome to the show, Katherine. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so let's just kick it off with... Um, the simplest way possible. So why don't you introduce yourself and the work that you do? I am an editor writer who is uh, currently working on becoming a writer editor. Um, (laughs) I've um, been in nonfiction book publishing since I graduated college. So maybe I think 16, 17 years ago now. Um, I've worked predominantly in illustrated adult nonfiction. So lots of cookbooks and history, kind of coffee table books and gifts, sort of all of these different um, kind of book meets art meets um, product kind of um, kind of pieces. And a lot of, I got into the industry because I ultimately wanted to write. And so as part of what I've been doing for the past maybe seven years is a lot of commissioned writing alongside of doing editorial work. Um, About seven years ago, I started a company called Tandem Books um, and I was the, I was the editorial half and I had a business partner who is, was the brilliant design half. And um, we worked with a lot of contacts we had in the industry, making a whole lot of books, on like a whole lot of subjects. Uh, kind of anything you can think of in the realm of nonfiction. And I got to do a lot of writing um, with that job, which was great. And the business was doing really well. And then I decided that 
I wanted to divert more of my efforts into just writing and sort of, instead of doing a lot of commissioned writing, writing more things that I uh, really felt driven to write. So I, what is it? I think it was called the uh, Great Resignation of 2020 and 2021. I did, I kind of, uh, I got, I think I got swept up in that a little bit. And I decided, you know, even though I had created, spent years working with somebody I truly love on a professional and personal basis, um, I kind of made the decision that I had spent a lot of time kind of working parallel to what I really, really wanted to do, but not actually doing the thing that I wanted. So um, I felt like it was time to, to make the leap and try to really uh, go from the thing that was so close and adjacent to my true passion to the thing that's my true passion mm-hmm. to see if I could if I could make that work. So is your work with Tandem Books completely done or is that still part a, like a leg of your business to um, maybe fund and and help be alongside your writing career? It's I'm still doing I'm still winding up a few projects because this just this okay. just happened. This is fresh fresh okay. news from the fall. Um, I am winding down on a few projects that I um, had started while I was there. And I mean, it's sort of, it's like, I, I'm almost of two minds with it. Like moving forward, I would love to continue to work with my partner whose name is Ashley mm, yeah. and do books with her. But I also, you know, my, what I really want to do is write um, fiction, which is not something that Tandem does at all. We're really illustrated adult nonfiction. Like we're really in that niche. And so Part of me is like, I want to, I love her and I want to keep that door open and I can see that as being part of my future. But I also want to kind of maintain, if I leave that door cracked too widely, I feel like I'm not committing the fully to the thing that I want to be doing, which is finishing this novel that I've been working on and getting an agent and doing that whole thing. So it's kind of... You know, I'm I'm trying to frame it in my mind that you know I'm just going to be this novelist now, and I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. gonna live this life, and I won't um, you know sort of need to at least for the present being go back to doing that sort of commissioned writing. Not that I didn't enjoy it; I learned so much. I I learned so much about things I didn't know that I would find incredibly interesting or moving or mm-hmm. life changing. So it's been a it was a wonderful experience, um, and you know. There is part of me that thinks that going back to it one day would, you know, certainly be beneficial because it, you know, kind of keeps introducing me to new things that I wouldn't even think to explore um, from my own personal lens. Right. And and going back a ways, what inspired you to pursue starting that business and going on that journey and pursue becoming an editor in the first place? the decision to pursue editorial work was almost, it was kind of a fluke. Uh, I was in college and I was in my senior year and I really, I studied philosophy and everybody was sort of, what are you going to do with philosophy? You'll never get a job as philo- in a, with that major. The only thing you can do is teach. And um, I didn't really have any desire to be a teacher. So, or, you know, work in academia in any way. And I really wanted to kind of prove everybody wrong who was so kind of down on this and saw, you know, I loved studying philosophy. I thought it was a really, um, you know, good way to sort of spend my time kind of figuring out what I thought about the world and what Mm -hmm. I thought was important. And I didn't, I didn't see it as this sort of frivolous pursuit. And so I really wanted to get a job and kind of, you know, prove that it, 
but it was worth something because I really saw value in it. And um, I was just sort of applying randomly to different internships. And I got an internship at Comedy Central um, doing editorial for their website, which like I ran, like I just applied to Comedy Central, the entire entity with no, no specification. And they gave me this editorial internship. And I was... And I realized from that, I'm like, oh, my God, I love books. But books had always sort of seen this, like, really ivory tower other, like, it's made by some sort in some ethereal realm, and I don't even understand it. And how could I possibly ever be sort of smart enough to to be involved in that? It seemed so, you know, beyond. Uh, But I realized, you know what what do I have to lose by trying what I that's why I applied to Comedy Central. I was like, what do I have to lose? I just try. And actually, the way I got the internship, I had applied um, a couple times, and I never got an email back. And then I wrote um, an application or a cover letter that was very like, you, I don't, can you curse on this podcast? Oh, absolutely. I I was like, you dumb shits, you don't know what you're missing. Like, this thing totally out of character for me. Like, yeah, you know. I'm hilarious and brilliant. You've got your head up your ass and like, you Mm. won't even reply to me and you suck. And like, just this like crazy, like, I don't even know what I was smoking to send this email. And then like immediately they were like, come on in for an interview. (laughs) (laughs) What is happening right now? Yeah. So, and I got it in this sort of, you know, in an editorial realm where I just, you know, at the time I, my grammar and spelling skills were kind of laughable. Like I could read and like analyze a dense text, but as far as like being, you know, writing technically was just not anything I'd ever considered studying or thought was really very important for what I was doing. And I got thrown into this random internship that was really just like calling a database of jokes to like delete duplicate jokes. It wasn't even... It wasn't even anything um, very technical technical on the editorial end, but it really opened my eyes. I was like, oh, you know what? If I could work in books, I would be, you know, thrilled. And really what I want to do is write. And at mm. that point, I was even more intimidated by writing than I was by books. So um, I kind of got the editorial job thinking, you know, this seems more possible than getting like a book deal in an agent and being that person being an editorial assistant somewhere seems at least in the realm of possible things. Whereas that seems like something that is just well beyond me. And so I kind of got into the whole realm of publishing with the hope of one day kind of turning it into a writing career. And um, slowly but surely I have been, inching my way toward it, doing more and more writing. The very first project that I ever wrote for a publisher was called um, The Ouija Book. And it literally was just the alphabet repeating over and over again, like a Ouija board. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) So you just like, it was like a 500 page book and you flip to letters the way that you would move a planchet around a Ouija board. It was like the book for, so the very first thing I ever wrote was just the like my first published work was just the alphabet over and over again. And that's something you came up with on your own or an editor or agent or whatever got that idea for you and encouraged you to do it. That was through um, the editorial director at the group I was at at the time. Uh, That was, uh, we had a licensing deal with Hasbro. And so it was a product they came up with for them. 
Okay. So then what made you brand want to branch off on your own and begin your entrepreneurial journey with Tandem Books? I had worked for in publishing in proper houses for probably about a decade and worked for big places and little places. And I always kind of wanted to explore doing freelance, but it um, seemed kind of intimidating, which I guess is the recurring theme of my career is like, I'm intimidated to do something. So I do something like one step over from it and then kind of realize what I'm doing is actually harder than the thing I was afraid to try. Um, So I, I was working at a very, after working at a bunch of places, I was at a very small company and I kind of, I'd been doing it for long enough that I wasn't I was a little bit out of the phase of just being totally awed by everything. And I kind of saw how the business worked and I felt like, you know, I could really do this on an even smaller scale. Um, And I was talking to, I was still in touch with this woman, Ashley, who was a designer that I had really just clicked with at a previous job. And we were both at new jobs that we were not entirely thrilled with. And we talked about like, all right, in a year from now, we're going to quit our jobs and we're going to do this thing together. We're going to be this, you know, publishing studio and we'll, you know, we really know Mm. how to, the nitty gritty of making books. Like we don't, you know, we're not printers and we're not advertisers, but like in terms of like taking an idea and getting it from that idea to the files that go to the printer, we can do that. You know, we're so, we're so good at doing that process together. So we decided in a year we're going to do this. And then we like randomly got a call from someone that we used to work with who was like, I'm starting this other company and I need a write, I need an editor and a designer. Can you guys take this on freelance? And so oh, this wow. plan that we had sort of talked about for a month as something to do next year just happened. And so we left our jobs and we started Tandem Books and um, yeah, started just sort of like, very the universe provides a path if you ask for fun weird serendipity yeah Um, it just sort of happened for us and we we were very fortunate we had you know Ashley has kept the company going even after I left but we really you know we worked we worked incredibly hard Um, but yeah we we were able to put this business together and what we really wanted to get out of that sort of publishing isn't a terribly corporate environment. And we had been at, you know, we were at sort of small houses, but, you know, even at that, we were just, we're both kind of workhorse type of people. We just want Mm -hmm. to be doing our projects and the level of sort of meetings in inner office politics was something that we just really didn't get along with. Like it just felt like such a drain to us. Mm -hmm. And I know some people are very, you know, we're both sort of introverts and we like to just like get our head down and do work and be in our own, you know, our own spaces. And uh, so it was, you know, we both were of the mind, like if I could just not have meetings and if I could just, you know, sit here and work on my projects as, you know, 90% of my day, as opposed to working 10% of the day and doing all of this sort of Mm. meeting stuff 90% of the time, wouldn't I be so much happier? And that was really what drove us to want to get out there and do things on our own, just to kind of be more in control of our lives and our time and not be subjected to the whims of bosses or, you know, mandatory meetings that you don't quite understand why are mandatory. And, Mm -hmm. you know, 
sales conferences and all this kind of stuff that, you know, for just for our personality types, you know, were, were difficult things for us that we didn't enjoy. So we, we really wanted to create a work life that was just focused on the things that we enjoyed doing and that we, we found value in. And we were really able to do that. I'm, I'm quite proud of the business that we were able to, to put together. Yeah. Did it end up feeling like it was a lot of what you loved or were there some days where entrepreneurship wasn't what you had dreamed it up to be? I think that it, a lot of the time it was, um, especially in the beginning, we were, we were coming up with a lot of our own projects and sort of agenting them out to publishers and working on things um, from scratch that we, you know, our own ideas or things that I would write or we'd hire a writer for, you know, things that we felt really mm-hmm. passionately about. And then it really did feel like that sort of entrepreneurial spirit and we're doing what we want and this is great. But then as things went on, sort of our client, you know, selling projects is really hard. That's sort of a job unto itself, being an agent that we kind of didn't appreciate in the beginning. So as we got sort of more clients, we ended up taking on more and more projects that were sort of given to us from, not even from the concept, maybe from the rough manuscript or things like that. So it got to be a lot um, more production work oriented than creative and you know a lot more things that you know our clients just wanted you know the projects coming to us were not things that I really you know was was vibing with after a while so um and I also I think that you know fall of 2020 was a very slow time for us as it was for a lot of people and during that time I really was had a lot of downtime to work on uh, my own writing. And I kind of got into the pace of like, you know, doing some work for tandem, but spending most of my time working on my novel and working on my own stuff. And then when 2021 started, we just like, as slow as it was in the fall, it was five times as much in the new year, which was great because the business was thriving. But I had, after getting that taste of like, oh my God, I was doing what I really wanted to do for mm. sort of the first time ever. I had the, the time to do it. I was, I had a difficult time going back to doing other people's projects and, and feeling good about it. Um, mm. I really was, you know, I just experienced a burnout that I had never gone through before. I was, yeah. I, you know, I was you know, annoyed at people like, stop sending me your stuff. <laughs> I want to do my thing. Um, yeah. Well, it's amazing that you took that leap because making a change like that, even if you know that it feels right for you, can still be just such a challenge and so um, hard when you've kind of been doing something for so long and if you've created your own business and stuff like that. I'm sure that transition was really hard, even even though it was leaning more towards what you wanted to do. Yes, it, it, um, it took me you know, probably six months to come to the decision to, it took me probably (laughs) three months to even realize that it was an option Mm. to stop doing what I was doing. It just felt, you know, a lot of my career, sort of these things, I fell into these situations that were kind of unexpected. And as much as I would steer things, I also felt like things kind of, you know, windows opened up for me. 
so I really felt like I'm just on this path and this is what I do. And I have uh, to make yeah. time around it for the things that I want to do. And to kind of realize that I'm not able to do the thing that I want to do and to do this business mm -hmm. at the same time. And that's not a personal failing of mine that I don't have enough and like creative energy to be doing, working on 20 books on a list and also totally. writing a novel on the side, you know, to, to realize that I could leave this job because I really, my business partner, you know, she really, you talk about like your work wife or your work husband, you know, it was just the two of us. The business partnership really was like a marriage and a good marriage. Like it was, there was nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of the hardest part was being like, I have to let Ashley down. You know, she, mm. she's keeping the business and she's brilliant and she'll, she's so sort of entrepreneurial and tough and she's hired a new editor. And I know that, you know, she's going to continue to do really well, but it still was, you know, I'm, you know, I'm leaving this thing that we built together. And I felt a tremendous amount of, you know, guilt, that I was, you know, letting her down and sort of, you know, we built this life together, sort of. So I was putting her, her happiness in jeopardy is what it felt like at the time to wow. sort of make this decision that was very, in and of itself, scary, because yeah, I'm so used to doing my job. And, you know, trying to be a novelist is not like a, a job security path. It's a, it's sort of a, a big leap. Um, so it was, it was very difficult in a lot of ways to make the decision, but there was also sort of a, at the very core of it, I felt like I don't even have a decision to make. Like I either have the bravery to do this thing that I, that I know I need to do for myself or I don't like, mm. um, and so I, you know, I decided to, to give it a shot and, and we'll see. <laughs> Yeah. No, I love that you use the word bravery because I think a lot of times um, we think of, you know, society kind of frames leaving a job or leaving any situation or, you know, quote unquote, quitting something as, you know, the easy way out or something like that. But I think to anyone that's made that change or done anything like that, it really is a brave move and it really is something that you need to have bravery in. So I love that you brought that word into that. Yeah, I think quitting is is one of the scariest mm -hmm. and more difficult things to do. Yeah, totally. I, th I think that's a very good point that you made that, you know, we, we frame it as a failure or we frame it yeah. as, you know, shirking responsibility, walking, you know, taking that easy path. And it's not. I don't think it is, you know, you even just leaving the security of, even if you're getting a, secure job at a place where they're going to give you more money that, that, you know, you're leaving the devil, you know, no matter what, <laughs> you're making a giant shift. Um, whether you're going into a new job or starting something new, it's that that change. Um, you know, especially I think in American culture, where we're so defined by our work and defined by mm -hmm. our kind of how we how we make income. Um, it, you know, it really your job ties into your identity so much, I totally. think, for a lot of people. And so any change to that is a change to your identity, a change to like the first, the answer to the first question any new person asks you. So what do you do? Where do you work? Like yeah. that's, you know, you have to learn a new answer and you have to sort of redefine yourself whenever you're, you're changing jobs. And so, yeah, when you make the big leap to be like, oh, well, 
giving up, you know, this big thing and doing something totally different. And I think in American culture, you're like, I'm going to be a new person now. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking on bravery and about making a big change is entrepreneurship is is a brave move and something that I think a lot of people think about but don't necessarily take the leap to do. So what is your advice to other people that want to become entrepreneurs? What is your advice to help them take the leap or some things that you think you should know before starting your own business? I think that the biggest lessons I learned is that it really does take a tremendous part of you. Like it's not, um, you, you have to give it a lot of your passion and a lot of your love and a lot of your brain space uh, to make it work. I do say, you know, I think that on the one hand, it is very possible. I think if you are willing to put in the time and the love to something, you can make it work. I think you just, it really is, um, as cheesy as it might sound, the positive attitude that that just belief, like I am doing this now, like not like I'm going to try to do this or maybe I can do this, I hope I can do this. That belief, like when Ashley and I started the company, we're just like, we're doing this. This is what we're doing now. This is our jobs and we're just going forward. Kind of that almost blind optimism is incredibly helpful. And if you have that sort of, if you can tell yourself, yep, I'm doing this and I'm going to and recognize that it's going to take a lot of time and a lot of heart, you know, you'll, I think, you know, 99 times out of 100, you'll make that work. Yeah. It, it's just a, it's just a matter of being, you know, committed and, you know, I don't want to say that you shouldn't have any reservations. Like, yeah. You know, of course, like you should plan it and you should, you know, get know what, you know, know that it's not a sure thing on some level, but mm -hmm. like, yeah, that, that self-belief is, uh, I think critical because if you're telling yourself the whole time, like I'm not, this is not going to work. It's not going to work. If you tell yourself totally. the whole time, it's going to work. Odds are it's going to work. All right. I am just popping in here real quick to tell you about one of our sponsors, Quip. I cannot say enough good things about Quip. They have really changed my habits for brushing my teeth and have made it an easier and dare I say more fun experience. Anyone that knows me knows that brushing my teeth is probably my least favorite part of my day. But with Quip, I have seriously started to enjoy it more. It's with the challenges and different things that Quip does to make it more fun and exciting to brush my teeth. And I feel like I am heading into the new year with better, healthier habits around brushing my teeth with this Quip toothbrush. And for everyone, it's a really great time to invest in a Quip toothbrush because between small talk at the company holiday party and enjoying all the holiday treats, your mouth does a lot this time of year. Gift it better oral care with Quip, makers of the award-winning toothbrush. And when you save up to 40% on holiday bundles, it's also a gift to your wallet. Now, one of the main reasons that I love the Quip toothbrush is the app that comes with it that challenges me in my brushing habits and gives rewards for doing well. You can earn daily points for brushing two minutes twice a day and with certain challenges like streaks. Then you can win some really great rewards like $5 refill credits and discounts, free Quip products and discounts, $5 Target e-gift cards, and more. 
So as listeners of the show, you can save if you go to getquip.com slash illuminate right now on top of their holiday savings, you'll get your first refill free. That's your first refill free and up to 40% off of bundles at getquip.com slash illuminate. That's spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash illuminate. Quip, the good habits company. All right, back to my conversation. Now, switching directions a little bit, one of your pieces of work that you've done, one of your journals is the Gratitude Journal for Women. And that's actually how I found you. So I want to hear more about that book and what inspired you to put that together. The Gratitude Journal for Women was um, an amazing opportunity. It actually, um, I had an old contact sort of recommend me to an editor who wanted to put that um, specific journal together, a gratitude journal for women. And so they came to me with, you know, the, the broad idea of it. And then I got to research it and put it together. And it really, it was one of the first things that I worked on. I've done at this point, a lot of things in sort of the gratitude and mindfulness, self-care, that kind of whole area. Um, But it was one of the first things I worked on. And it really opened my eyes to, you know, the power of the way that you frame things for yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. Because gratitude is, you know, all about just sort of looking around and taking the time to acknowledge the things that are good in your life. I think a lot of the times we spend the most amount of our mental mental energy kind of planning for the future and thinking about the things that we want. And as humans, we're really good at it. It's sort of the thing that we've evolved to be the best at. That's what sort of makes us human is our ability to plan things and problem solve and all this stuff. And our minds really want to do that. If we have something that we want or we have something that we don't like, our mind just turns over those things because it's looking for the solution. Mm. But gratitude, I think, is just in itself a gift because you take the moment to already look around you and say, these are the things that I have that I love. Like, instead of sort of, it'll break you out of that cycle where you're always sort of striving towards the next thing, which isn't necessarily bad, but it shouldn't, it shouldn't be everything. That's the sort of thing that'll, that can drive you crazy and amp up your anxiety and all these things. Yeah, Gratitude will pull you back to the moment and make you look around and be like, you know what? All of this stuff that I have, these people in my life, you know, mm-hmm. the the place where I live, the, you know, how beautiful trees are, like anything, yeah. like you can sort of, you can appreciate that and kind of give yourself the break from always sort of trying to, to get to the next place or solve the next problem or n- do the next thing on your to-do list. You're like, wait, no, this is, this is where I'm at right now. And these things are beautiful. Yeah. And I think that um, if we don't take the time to do that, you can just, you can burn out so easily. Yeah, I love that. And I just really do appreciate the importance that a gratitude practice can play into our lives. So what are some of your tips for all of us to implement a gratitude practice into our lives? You know, maybe that's daily. What? How do you think we can get started and what's the best practices? Um, and you don't have to buy my journal, but I do think 
having a journal, even if it's just a notebook where you spend a couple minutes a day or a week or whenever you almost when you really don't feel like it is probably the best time to do it to just list the things that you are grateful for. Um, I think that a gratitude practice is really good um, for sort of every day, definitely when you're going through your life to just sort of take those moments to to replenish and, and appreciate what's around you. But I think that it's especially good when you're going through something difficult because when you're working really hard to achieve something or you're going through something really crappy, uh, if you take a moment to think about that situation and think about what in it you're grateful for, it makes that challenge or that ordeal sort of easier because instead of becoming completely obsessed with how hard it is, you can kind of take a step back and be like, well, but this is the thing I love about it. Or I love that I'm doing it for this reason. Like if you have a really challenging relationship with a family member or something and you just focus on what's wrong and what's wrong and what's wrong. Um, if you take time when you think of that person to also think about um, the, the aspects you love about them and what why you're grateful that they're in your life, it can sort of ease up all of the tension that's around that relationship or, you know, whatever, whatever thing it is that you're dealing with finding, you know, it's sort of the finding the silver lining and being grateful that the thing is even in your life, even if it's hard, um, totally. you know, it just frees you up to, to embrace what's good as, as opposed to just, you know, sort of tightly holding on to what's hard. Totally. I love that. And I love um, the idea, the way I hear you speaking about that is kind of like finding the positivity in the hard parts without like ignoring that they're actually hard and validating that it's actually a hard thing in your life. But if you're deciding to like continue to go through with those hard things, like finding the positivity through it. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, things can be, I think the the sort of the older I get, the more I realize that, you know, nothing is perfect and, and nothing worth having is easy. Like those kind of cliches are all true. You know, things can be the things most worth pursuing or the relationships, you know, that really develop into something beautiful. They all have these, these difficulties with them and um, they take work and that doesn't, but that doesn't make them bad or something to avoid like these things that are that are difficult or these things that are conflicts you know if you can if you can find that positive if you can find the positivity and not try to pretend that the negative isn't there but sort of find the balance between them they can just be you know important and enriching experiences mm, yeah now another journal that you just finished writing is called progress not perfection tell me about that work that is a 366 day journal. So even if it's a leap year, you have oh, to think to journal about every day. Yeah. And um, that one is really about being, being on a journey towards something and um, learning to love that journey and also be, as we were just talking about, sort of realistic about it. Like it's going to... If you really want something, if you're going to set a big goal for something that's going to take you a year, but probably more to accomplish, 
there's going to be a lot of work and challenges um, that come with it. And to focus on the positive and the progress as opposed to having an idea in your head that this is, you know, this is the perfect way to do this and I'm going to do X, Y, Z and it's going to go according to plan and that's, it's just all going to work out and be great. I think you set up these really difficult expectations for yourself. Uh, so sort of the, the whole idea between pro behind progress, not perfection is focusing on, you know, the journey itself and the small steps you make and how even when you backslide or you or something doesn't turn out the way you want it to, there's a lesson to be learned there or you can get diverted to a path that's even better. So it's about sort of enjoying getting towards something instead of sort of just relentlessly pursuing um, a perfection idea that you have about it. Totally. And then a term I learned in school a while ago was the term effortless perfection and it stuck with me forever where you just we try in our society we try to make it seem easy that we are doing things perfectly or doing things so well that we're just trying to make our perfection seem so effortless and I think that that's something that can like piggyback off of what you're talking about and how that I guess can spiral into um you thinking everyone else is achieving these perfect things so easily and why is it hard for you and and kind of making it harder to accept that that you're working towards progress and not perfection so I always think that's so interesting totally that I think that we do have sort of this idea that people who are really good at something if they're athletes or they're artists or something they just sort of woke up one day and did that thing and they were just perfect yeah. at it and it was awesome and it's the reality is you know all those things even if you have a natural inclination or a natural talent and the first time you try it it goes pretty well for you like it's you know it takes work to to get to those ends or to develop those skills to be that person and if you don't love that work then that goal might not be the goal for you mm. Yeah. Wow. That's such a good message. Um, yeah. And piggybacking off of that, what are some goals and dreams that you are working towards right now? And, and how are you chasing those? The big goal is to um, finish, well, finish the, the projects I still have for Tana, but to uh, finish the novel that I'm working on and to yeah. really, um, to try to make a career out of um, writing silly sci-fi and the sort of tradition of Douglas Adams, funny enough. Um, that is sort of the main career goal that I have right now. But I also, um, on a more personal level, am working toward trying to find more balance between um, kind of the obsession with, with working and, and tying my identity into the thing that makes my income and kind of slowing down a little bit and experiencing life okay. um, a bit more yeah. fully. Um, yeah, I think I got, you know, especially that is one of the dangers of entrepreneurship and running your own business is you can become really sort of, it requires so much of you that you can give mm. so much to it and become in a way sort of one dimensional. And, um, and I think that I wasn't, 
in the in the way that I was working, I wasn't finding that balance anymore. Okay. Um, and I don't. Ashley was. I think it was just my own attitude. I had just sort of gotten caught up into the cycle where I was not um, balancing things. And so, on a personal level, I want to sort of do the thing that I'm very passionate about, but also feel like the rest of what I'm doing is is also important because I had gotten to a point where I felt like the work is the important part and I can fit other things in around it when I can, but the work is the thing that I really need to be doing and it's the important part and it's the validating part and Mm -hmm. all of that. And um, to try to take a step back that and be like, no, all of the things are important and they should all fit together into one picture as opposed to trying to fit the other pieces around this central image that I have. I'm sure that is so easy to do as an entrepreneur to kind of make your whole world like it's just not it's not a nine to five. You don't go home and shut it off and close your computer or like leave your office and you're done. It's your whole it could be your whole world that you could work 24 seven, you know, if you could always find things to do, I'm sure. Yeah, I would wake up in the middle of the night. And I think before I was even sort of fully awake, I was thinking about a problem that I had to solve. Mm. And I think that that was the indicator to me. And I don't think that that necessarily is always a bad thing. If you're really involved in something, you know, a project, you're, you know, that sort of intensity can really serve you well, but there's, there should be a point where you turn it off and you and you get a break between that project and the next time that happens. And that was sort of the part that I was lacking as I was just running on that sort of treadmill for yeah. for too long. Yeah, that I feel like when you wake up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom, <laughs> you should just be thinking about that. Yeah. <laughs> Go back to sleep. And if you if you're unable to do that, perhaps you need to to rebalance some things. Totally. Yeah. But um <laughs> A little bit, I guess that's probably shows a little bit that you were passionate about your work and cared about it too. So there's, there's a positive to that, although it probably, you know, overall is not a huge positive on the impact of your life, but there is a positive to be, to be found out of that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, yeah. And again, I think if, you know, finding the time when that happens and the time when that doesn't happen, you know, if Mm -hmm. you can, if you can balance those two, um, I, I, cause I do think it's really it feels really good to be very passionate about something and to be thinking, you know, really puzzling something through or really accomplishing something. Like I think that there is, you know, there are times when that, that is very productive and it, and it feels great and you're happy about it. And then, Mm -hmm. um, you know, but to be aware when that starts to slip from something that feels like a positive to you to something that feels very just, you know, pure stress or pure anxiety, like, you know, Mm -hmm. what, how, how are you framing it to yourself? Is this something you're excited that you're waking up and thinking about? Or is this you're waking up and thinking about it and your jaw is clenched and you're like, you know, shallow breathing? (laughs) Yeah, there's dread with it. Totally. Yeah, that exactly. That's the word for it is their dread with it. And, Mm -hmm. um, well, before um, we do the end of podcast questions, I do want you to have an opportunity to plug your work and share about where people can find um, your journals or anything that you've worked on that you want to share. Oh, thank you. Um, you can find my sort of collected works and links to where you can buy them if you like at my website, which is katherinemferman.com. 
And uh, currently I am working on a series of journals for a publisher called Hay House. We're doing a dream journal, a morning journal, an evening journal, cool. and a Zen journal. Wow, so, uh, those are cool. A new journal. Yeah, it's a new journal series and they're they're really, you know, they're getting designed beautifully by Ashley. Um, they're they're one of the projects I'm wrapping up with Tandem. And um, yeah, I'm very excited about them. I think they're going to be really nice when they come out next year. Awesome. Um, yeah, I hope listeners will, will go check out your journals, especially heading into the holidays. There's They're a great gift um, for anyone in your life and uh, maybe a gift for yourself to include, you know, a journaling practice into your new year. 2022 is all about you. Yeah, I love that. Um, all right, to wrap it up here, what is the best or most recent book that you've read? I just read um, a Barbara King Solver book from a couple years ago called Unsheltered. And um, I just think she is a fantastic, amazing writer. And this was a book that just felt so, I mean, it, it you know takes place in current America and I'm in New Jersey and it took place in New Jersey. So I felt especially connected oh, to it, but yeah. it was a really, it was a very cool book because it's sort of juxtaposed a lot of uh, things going on in sort of this this moment in time with a story in the same town in New Jersey in the late 1800s and the remarkable similarities of culture clashes that were happening then and that are happening now and drawing mm. sort of parallels and through lines that were very interesting. Um, I really can't recommend that book enough. Um, and what is an organization that you like to support? Um, I support Planned Parenthood and also a local animal charity called the Popcorn Park Zoo, which is a, a rescue organization for animals, big and small. So kittens to tigers. I love that. That's wonderful. Um, and then who or what is illuminating or inspiring you right now? I have been listening to a podcast lately that I believe is very popular and I'm extremely late to the game on called, uh, you're wrong about. Oh, I and, love that. Uh, I yeah, love that podcast. Great, yeah. Yeah. Revisiting all of the sort of tabloid stories and beyond and well beyond uh -huh. to political scandals and things from sort of the, the nineties. And when I was growing up and sort of, I was aware of them, but I had no actual understanding of them and finding out what, what was actually going on and how wrong we are about our perception of almost every news story has been totally very, uh, eye-opening and uh a little depressing yeah i i hear you um and then to close it out here what is your one message you would like to send to the world or to our audience i think that um the big message i would want to share is that you just have to believe and trust in yourself um, you have to take the time to sort of sit with yourself and and think about the things that really make you happy and what you really want and um, and how to go forward toward them and how to be gentle with yourself as you make progress toward them. Because I think that um, we spend a lot of time being very hard on ourselves and um, sort of doing the things that we think we should be doing um, and you know, the, the cliche that life is short is so very true. And so, you know, take, there's nothing more valuable you can do than like take the time to, to appreciate yourself and make sure that you're, you know, 
living, living a life you find valuable. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Catherine today. And a big thank you to Catherine for coming on the show and chatting with me. I loved getting to know Catherine more, hearing about her work and learning from her. I really am inspired from her about all that she talked about, about the gratitude journal and progress, not perfection, and about chasing her dreams and focusing on her own writing more, even when she had built a business and something so stable. I really appreciated her wisdom there and sharing her story surrounding that. All right. And if you're enjoying the Illuminate podcast, we would love, love, love your support over on Patreon. We are at patreon.com slash the Illuminate pod. We have our first post out there and it's a book club. We're doing a book club monthly now. So if you love to read, it'd be really awesome if you came over and supported us on there and got to join us with that. Next month, we are reading I Am a Girl from Africa, and I've just started it. It's a really great book, and I'm excited to hop on in January and chat with the Illuminate podcast team to hear their thoughts on the book as well. So yes, if you want to support our work, go to patreon.com slash the Illuminate pod, and we would be so grateful to have you over there. And you can also follow us on Instagram. We are at the Illuminate podcast there. We are Illuminate underscore pod on Twitter. And you can find all of the show notes and all of the podcast episodes at sandyboyproductions.com. We are part of the Sandy Boy Productions podcast network. And you should check out the other shows in the network. There is a wide range of shows. We have the All Have Another podcast with Lindsay Hine, the Why Is Everyone Yelling podcast with Lindsay Hine, the Illuminate podcast, which is us, and the Urban Pharmacy. So there's a show for everyone. We hope that you'll go check that out. You can find Sandy Boy Productions on Instagram as well at Sandy Boy Productions. All right, that's all I have for you today. So I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Catherine and I hope you enjoy the rest of your week.